Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. We're excited to feature this classic edition of the program from sessions at the Mole End Studio in Franklin, Tennessee. What you'll hear now was recorded several years ago. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the music and conversations are timeless. Our web and email address hasn't changed, but now you can connect via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. We hope to hear your reactions to this classic edition of In the Studio. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. Welcome to our weekly program. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and Michael, may I read an email from a listener? To start certainly, with today? certainly you may, Wayne Shepherd. <laughs> this comes from Jamie in Oklahoma, who says, Dear Michael and Wayne, how I enjoy your radio program. It's so much fun to be a fly on the wall in the life and ministry of Michael Card hmm. and hear all that the living God is doing in your life. God has taught me through your music about himself and his word as much as any other sermon or study ever has. It's been a true blessing to me. Wow. You're my favorite artist. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for nice that. Nice word, huh? I'll, I'll get through the rest of the day on right. that. Thank I, you I, for I the knew, encouragement. I know how much you enjoy affirmation. Yes. We all do. Yes. So thank you, Jamie, for that note. Our email address in the studio at michaelcard.com. Well, here's what's coming up in the next hour as you stay with us. You will be rewarded, believe me, for listening today. Oh, we have some great guests. Scott Rowley is coming. My best friend. Yeah. Talk about biblical reconciliation with Scott here today. And Michael, we're going to ask you to answer a question that came from a listener. That's coming up in the first half of mm-hmm. the program today. And then the whole second half of the program Cannot wait for Odessa Settles. Yeah, and this is her first time uh, to be on our program, and it, it won't be the last time. She's... Uh, well, you're just going to have to wait. Yeah, you just have to. Yeah. There's no explanation for the for words. It. We have no words. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's open with one of your songs. And I'd like you to uh, set this song up for us and explain explain it to us. Living Stones is the song. Yeah, this, uh, this song uh, comes from a collection of songs uh, from the life of uh, Simon Peter. And I love the, that passage in, in, in 1 Peter where Simon, who himself Jesus called the stone, mm-hmm. Uh, well, let me just read it. Uh, As you come to him, the living stone, Jesus, there is the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So the the one who Peter called a rock uh, gives the name back to Jesus Great. in a sense and then gives it to us. He invites us to come and be living stones and you've just put like that him. in this song. Yeah. We'll talk with Scott Rowley after the song called Living Stones. Living stones, living stones, we are holy living stones, built upon the firm foundation that is Jesus. And as we cling to that rock who became a stumbling block, we are made one holy house. Though we live as scattered strangers, we are not homeless, we are free. We are one family, one folk, one overseer of our souls. Says we are his own possession, we are living stones, living stones, living stones. We are 
leads us right into our time in the Bible here today, Michael. Yeah, and it's it's always a privilege uh, to have my very best friend in the world. Uh, 30 years ago, uh, the, the day we met, we became best friends, yeah. and we've been best friends ever since. Scott Rowley, who's sitting right here. You know what the problem is, Scott? You guys know too much about each other. Well, That's that, the problem. That is true, uh, and yet that still is something that doesn't keep us from getting together. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah we, uh, we still love each other, Yeah, right? we still love each, right. love each other, and yeah. we're still talking on microphones because our first real interaction— We were singing Williamson County Bank commercial. <laughs> Right. right, singing background vocals. Right? That's right. Bank yeah. accounts, bank accounts, bank accounts. <laughs> Look how far you've come, Scott. You are oh, now. Oh, that's a depressing process. <laughs> Scott, you are now a right. I was going to say right righteous, but none, there's none righteous. <laughs> you are the right reverend. No, not one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we keep that quiet. Uh, I am a pastor. Uh-huh. Yes, and uh, jo- enjoying that and thankful for God's calling. So yep. yes, but it's always great to be with you, brothers. Thank you. Yeah, we've asked you to come for a reason today. So you, you can jo- drop in any time. You know that, right? Yes, uh, about reconciliation. But we want to talk about reconciliation. That's right. And yeah. it's a theme, um, really a core value for my wife and I and our family and for me and for my family. And, and, uh, and let me say sort of as an outside voice that uh, in, in our community in Franklin, Scott has been uh, a leader, you know, one of the two or three uh, leaders uh, in, in living out and, uh, and uh, make, actualizing, as I guess the word I'm looking for, uh, what what real reconciliation looks like? I mean, he's been right on the front of the uh, of the the battle for a, a lot of years. Yeah, so. it's popular today, and, and what we're looking at is the biblical basis. It's the base of it is it's biblical to be reconciling, yeah. and that's a great encouragement. Right, not poli- racial reconciliation, ra- neighborhood renewal. It's not political. Right. It's it's not uh, I don't right. know whatever even sociological or. I don't know what 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 the other the other things that's misunderstood at it's it's a basic biblical value. Well, we've told the story before years ago, as a matter of fact, here on the radio. We're not going to go into all of it today, but it is in your book, God's Neighborhood, which we are going to offer to our listeners here today. So, but uh, the book we want to look at right now is the book of Second Corinthians. Amen, amen. Will you want me to read the passage, please? And then we'll we'll uh, let Scott jump uh, jump off. This is Second Corinthians five uh, sixteen uh, to the end of the chapter. Though from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Fantastic. Pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of uh, exciting to think, too, that this captures um, the way Luke in Acts captured the the understanding that our God uh, created us, that we all are image bearers, that 
every nation, every tribe, tongue, and people group that Revelation reminds us is, is the makeup of heaven mm-hmm. is a part of a reconciliation that starts with God, desiring for us to actually do it. And mm-hmm. it's all in this passage. So, you know, this is the reconciler's anthem <laughs> and, um, and one that I've just so encouraged by. Um, it also helps us see the exclusivity of Christ, that it's through Jesus and in Jesus alone mm-hmm. that real reconciliation happens, which is right. why it's so futile. The only true reconciliation. Yeah, the, everything we're out there trying to do is, is going to end in some kind of self-centeredness. And what Jesus asks us to do, whatever Jesus asks us to do, he always does first, mm. right? And so he reconciles us to God, and then the call comes through, uh, from Christ through Paul, now you become reconcilers. Well, there's a lot of people in the world who are probably doing their best to be reconcilers, but they, they're not plugged in to what Christ offers right. to and, them. And if, in that sense, it's just a good intention. That's when I said before, Absolutely. sometimes it's just a political thing, you know, and good intentions are, 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 uh, won't take you very far. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in your own experience in, in, uh, in neighborhood renewal, I mean, the people who just come in because it's a good thing to do, they don't generally last very long. Yeah, we talk about do-gooders, which, again, we all want to do good. Yeah. Um, but people who bring food, for instance, they stop in, they take a turkey to the door, the lady's very grateful to get it, but I know what she's saying in the back of her mind, and that is, thank you, but I know you're not really sticking around. Um, you're not going to come back. Yeah. You, know, you might come back next month of the same program, but because, you're not going to be Because the there. two of them aren't going to be reconciled. No. One is still above the other, and right. uh, nothing really changes. Yeah, we talk about the drug dealers, and also in my neighborhood, the the, the other people who come in who have the fancy cars and a... And a and, and a Nashville license plate, not a Franklin one, and they don't stay either. They're just purchasing yeah. again. And by, by that he means people come from Nashville into Franklin mm-hmm. to, buy their, to buy their drugs. The yeah. right. So there's this group of people who come in both doing good and doing evil, and yet neither one stay. Yeah. But that's the struggle also with our lives because we always have the option to leave, and that's another issue of this. You know, we're talking about reconciliation here. And on one, one level, we think about reconciliation, how wonderful that sounds, how grand that sounds. Then you start talking about reconciling with people who are embroiled in drugs. I well, mean, that gets pretty down and dirty, right? Well, whenever you talk about reconciliation, and again, this is through when we're talking about Jesus, the cost. Jesus shows us what it costs to be a reconciler, and what does it cost? Your life, it costs everything. Yeah, I was just reading Bonhoeffer, and um, what a terrific— this is a novel that's out about him uh, that is sort of—it's his own—it's historic—it's an historic novel, Uh historic fiction. But just to remember what he was calling us to in community, such a simple way of of making it clear— it just is everything about you. It's where you live. It's what you drive. It's, you know, the stewarding of everything yeah. reconciled because Christ has given everything for you. It's your whole level of the imagination. I start to dream and think about, hey, right here is the cross as the repre- you know, as a representation. It's the slavery. He purchased us, yeah. right? The reconciliation is a slave it's word. It's a slave word. Mm-hmm. And uh, the great work you've done in that has yeah. helped me. I'm a servant as a slave to Christ out of joy to serve my master. Okay, let me ask you this, Scott. In, in verse 20, um, when it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, what does it look like I mean, what does that make you think? What does it look like when God makes his appeal through you? What does that Yeah, look that's like? a great question. And it is it is sobering to recognize, even as as Paul's writing this, that it's as if. What a great word, because I want it to actually be. And that's that picture of my service to him as the master. 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make an evaluation based on his great love for me and my response to that. It's that power of the affection of Christ in my life. It allows me to do anything even give away and, and become courageous in the midst of a very dangerous situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, Scott, many years ago, you moved into Hard Bargain, which is a community within Franklin, Tennessee, which is low income. Uh, it's African-American. You're white. When you did that, I mean, did you understand all this or were you just taking the first step? For- I had I had a history in my, my growing up, which is always a part of, of why... Uh, where God has called you and how he's equipped you. That was based on I wanted to see reconciliation racially. So grew up in the Southern kind of racially, um, in, you know, invigorating uh, or infused, um, uh, you know, life that was, you know, black-white was definitely segregated and it was a difficult time. I saw a lot of stuff. And let me say that Scott was present at the I have a dream speech. Right. He heard Martin Luther King give the I have a dream speech. Right. So when he says something about I have a dream of children playing together, there was something in that that was that was really a part of what I wanted to see happen. So with that said, when we came to Hard Bargain, it was after 10 years of praying about going to Hard Bargain. It was not a snap decision. We right. knew exactly what we were getting into. And it was also the it was also the community development strategy of John Perkins and the Mendenhall and the CCDA groups. And those of you that are a part of that know what I'm talking about. But I'm sure you understand it in a far deeper way now oh, than yeah. you did when you yeah, took yeah, that yeah. first I mean, step. You never, yeah, you never really... I mean, the human condition, whether it's in Hard Bargain or up in Mole End or wherever you live, um, you, you always underestimate the human spirit and underestimate people. And you overestimate, I think, the simplicity or what, yeah. what you think is going to be easy... You know, to love people, it, that's why I took the cross to love us. It, it's it's yeah. always going to be, I'm going to learn how to love you well by dying. You know, you were talking about how, how well thought out uh, the move to hard bargain was. But, you know, the other side of it is, thank goodness, none of us ever know how costly. I mean, when you get married, <laughs> you, you have no idea how costly it's going to be. Otherwise, you, you might not. Same thing, you, 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 you make the kind of move that you made. Yeah. And you had no idea of how much yeah. it was going to cost. I got to describe it like playing a violin in public and you're learning as you go. Uh-huh. Okay. It's so embarrassing. It's so horif- horrifying right. and so, you know, sonically impure that you think you really, you really think you can do it. And yeah. then you realize you can't do it at all. Yeah. And then this passage emerges as the foundation for because Christ has done it. Right. He calls me into relation with him, into union with him, and therefore relying on him by faith, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's given us his spirit. He's given us his spirit to lead us. It's just that we're Christian. And that's why I think it's okay to put yourself in these positions. That's why that yeah. that's why that Bonhoeffer kind of life that says I'm going to give it all up and die for him, there is something in that that... that that's the only way you really do touch faith. Because you're only ever following up on the work that Jesus did, right? He has has reconciled us. Right. And then you move into that work that he he on the cross has already done. Yeah, yeah. this happens also just not because you're in a neighborhood, although I think there's a call to physical, to the physical world Mm -hmm. that's a part of this. But it's also in in any way, in your mental mind, in your mind, and in your your, uh, vocational calling, I'm not sure I'm saying this right. I think that there's a, a there's a breadth of ways that reconciliation, that our slaveship, our sonship shows up, and it's not just moving into a, a low income neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I understand. Your way isn't the only way. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Role of prayer in all of this, Scott. 
Well, I think nothing happens without prayer. I yeah. think prayer is our, you know, that's how we communicate. Um, I do like the the image that prayer isn't so much um, the intercom between the bedroom and the kitchen. Hey, send me up, you know, a couple of <laughs> a couple of cheeseburgers. It's uh, you know, it's that uh, front line walkie-talkie that says, "Hey, call." We call in fire. The, the from, fire. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, is that Piper? I think John Piper said all mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think that's where I'm stealing that. Uh, <laughs> but but isn't that a great image? That yeah. hey, I'm in a foxhole. Or I'm with my brothers. Yeah. Man, we need. If you guys don't drop. You know, the right bombs, here. if yeah. we don't get covered, we're going to be overrun. And, and that's much clearer what prayer is. Yeah. But also just the devotional life, you know, the imagination. Mike loves to challenge me to uh, to go to Scripture, enter into it at the level of my imagination. Which versus, is prayer. Which is prayer. It, it's absolutely yeah. the—man, it's just become a fresh way of seeing how all of these Scriptures come alive. Yeah. All right. Uh, Christ commands us to do it. We have his Spirit. We have the power of prayer behind it. So it's going to be pretty easy, right? Yeah. Well, it's costly. Yeah. But it's right. And that's what yeah. gives it that feeling. It's yeah. like if Denny Denson, our brother who was a reconciler that we learned so much from, yeah. if he were here, we would look at each other and say, isn't this the best thing we could do? Yeah. It's like just, it's just like a drink of fresh water. You just are so refreshed by it. Yeah. And yet, my goodness, it was the toughest thing, the way we started, the way we plowed through it. I mean, it just, it was a tough but Man, fulfilling but glorious thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, glorious. Yeah. yeah, and Denny, last word on on out of his mouth was glory. Yeah, uh, I I I think he I think he saw the end of where this is all going. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think Jesus took him out of that boat. Yeah. into the reconciled world, into the promised land. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, Scott and Mike, we are not done with this because Scott's going to join us again next week here Good. in the studio. We're going to continue this conversation. Another passage next time. We'll turn to Ephesians next week with you, Scott. But I, I, Michael, I'd love to again mention Scott's book. Scott yeah. Rowley's written God's Neighborhood. Yep, it's a great and book. And I, I remember uh, talking to Scott about this book, Walking Through Hard Bargain. Do you remember that, Scott? I do, and I remember you guys shooting some wonderful photographs and <laughs> some filming. And yeah. uh, it was just terrific, and it's been always a, a help to me. Michael Card wrote the foreword, still my favorite foreword. <laughs> and it's totally made up. I mean, it's totally fiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, oh, you know, you know, it's, this is the first time I've thought of this since he passed away. But yeah. in 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 the in the forward of the book, I, I have Denny, and Denny was I led. I, I, he was like ninety years old, and he was picking fights or something yeah. in this in this fictional story I spun. <laughs> yeah. And he used to always be so mad at me because I I, I pictured him as being sort of this cranky old man. Yeah. I said, but look, man, I let I let you live till you were ninety. Yeah. <laughs> you should thank me. It was a great. It's a great picture of what of what. Of what the Empty Hands Fellowship's about. It's a yeah. great read. Hey, Scott, thank you so much. Hey, hey. Let, let's get Michael to sing. Yes. And we've got to ask him to sing that song, uh, uh, I'm Not Supposed to Be Here. That fits right in right now, fantastic. don't you think? Yeah. It was his final word as we walked beside the sea. You will be led where you don't want to go. I knew that he would test my faith and all that I believed But just how far then I would never know And he would send a vision then once more beside the sea To a rooftop where my ecstasy was seen To ask what was unaskable Three times the vision came and demanded I embrace what was unclean. You know 
not supposed to be here To cross the line no one has crossed before To simply be one of the fools that you've called to break the rules And to go someplace I'm not supposed to be My stumbling faith responded to what my mind said wasn't right So I left that place and followed in a dream To find unfamiliar strangers who were hungry for the light Then I realized that no one is unclean Serve some fallen, conquered king Who took up the cross and bled When he broke himself for bread In a place that he was not supposed to be In a place where he was not supposed to be In a place where he was not supposed to be Not supposed to be here. Michael Card in the studio. And by the way, there's more music coming up in the second half of the program. Our guest, Odessa Settles, will join us. Uh, Michael, here's a question that comes in from a listener, and we do encourage your questions to us here in the program. Mm, certainly. In, in the studio at michaelcard.com. And this, this question comes from a can of worms we opened <laughs> in an earlier show. You, you and that's are, a good thing. Yeah, okay. That's a good thing. You don't mind then? No, I mean, I think part... Part of what studying the Bible is all about is to unsettle us. You know, we don't settle everything. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, this opens with Dear Mr. Card. That's okay. That's good. So it's your father, right? (laughs) Well, that was Dr. Card. Okay. Uh, You talk about the fact that we are slaves to Christ. Yes. How do you reconcile that with passages in Romans that indicate we are sons? And further, Paul states that we do know what our father is doing and are not like slaves. Right. Great question. Let me stir the pot even more. In uh, in John 15, um, Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves mm-hmm. because a slave doesn't know what his master's business, but I've called you friends. So you do have this, you have this collection of statements that says you're not slaves anymore. You're friends, you're sons, you're adopted. Uh, but this is this is the this is the point I want to make, okay. uh, and and I don't think I can conclusively resolve this, but this is what I'd like to say. First of all, Paul, who knows uh, all these passages, Paul continues to sign himself, Paul, a slave to Christ. Paul acknowledges that he still exists in a state of slavery, though at the same time he celebrates his freedom because one of the paradoxes is, and here's, here's the issue, in, in Christian freedom is a paradox because it only comes through slavery. Uh, my question to you, Wayne, is, is Jesus any less a son, hmm. when he's washing their feet. No, no he's not. So uh, slavery to Christ and that sonship, that celebration of sonship and daughterhood, uh, they're, they're parallel. They seem to be paradoxes. Uh, they seem to be opposites, but they really are par- parallel. The only way I'll ever know freedom is to be a slave to Christ. The only way I'll be truly a son, truly a daughter, truly free, truly his friend, is to submit uh to, in total subjection to him as as his slave. So I think they're parallels. They seem to be paradoxes, but they're parallels. They're not uh, mutually exclusive. No, they're not. In fact, they ha- they have to exist together. I mean, or else Paul, James, Jude, Peter, <laughs> John, all these others would have it would have at one point ceased 
acknowledging that they're slaves, but they all acknowledge, Good I'm point. a slave and a, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Uh, for listeners who have been with us... Uh, but that was a great question. Yeah, thank you, Margaret. Yes. And she's got another one. There's a there's an add-on question here I'm going to ask you in just a moment. <laughs> but uh, for listeners who have been with us a while, you know that Michael's working on a book called A Better Freedom, which right. is all about slavery in the New Testament. Right, which is so. what stirred all this up yeah, in the yeah, first place. Right, right. Yeah. All right, here's the follow-up question. Okay. It's, a, the, it's always a follow-up question yeah. that's a zinger, right? <laughs> so I'm, win- I'm, I'm wincing. So, Margaret, thank you for this. Should you allow the world, meaning your job, to treat you like a slave? Well, boy, that's another great question. Okay, um, clearly in Scripture, I only have one master. That's the good news in, in, in all of what Paul has to say about Jesus and being a slave to him. He says, we're not, we're not people pleasers in those household codes in Galatians and Colossians. We're not uh, eye slaves. We don't do things just so people are watching us. Uh, we're not people pleasers. I have one master. That's one of the great freeing things of being a slave to Christ. But at the same time, Paul at one point, and I, I don't know the exact reference, but Paul says, because I'm a slave to Christ, I'm a slave to all. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that still means, what he means is that, that I, my, I am subject to Christ. I'm not subject to you, Wayne. I'm not subject to Joe. Uh, I, I'm subject to the Lord Jesus. He's the one person that I please. But given the fact then that I am owned by Jesus, he's called me to serve you as best I can and to serve others. So um, to, to answer that question, no, you're not subject to your job. Uh, you're only subject to Christ, but because you're, you know, in subjection to Christ, um, you're to do the best you can uh, in your job. And sometimes that means maybe looking like a slave, mm-hmm. maybe maybe facing some humiliation. Margaret, thank you for such stimulating questions. Those here today. were great questions, Margaret. Thank you so much. And thank you, Michael. But we have come to the halfway point here in the studio with Michael Card. Before we take a break, I want to encourage you to get in touch with us. As we just heard, your comments and Bible questions and even your song requests are always welcome when you email us at in the studio at michaelcard.com. Your notes of encouragement and stories of how God is working in your life mean so much to Michael and all of us on the team. So take a moment to contact us at in the studio at michaelcard.com. And I want to remind you that you can find out more about this program and Michael's ministry by going online to michaelcard.com. Through the web, you can access our audio archive and find out how to easily link to our program podcast. Also, I want to remind you that you can expand the scope of the teaching today with Scott Rowley's book titled God's Neighborhood. This book is a detailed account of Scott's journey into the ministry of racial reconciliation. You want to read his story and be challenged to reach out to people around you. Now, coming up in the second half, we're going to welcome a new friend, Odessa Settles, here in the studio with Michael Carr. There's a new edition of In the Studio with Michael Card coming up. This week's theme, Understanding the Word in Our World. Michael takes us to the Gospel of Luke to uncover the meaning behind the details in Jesus' life. And then Trevin Wax with Lifeway Publishers discusses the process of the CSB translation and the power of Christian books in today's society. Keep your Bible in hand as we hear music and conversation giving us direction for life. Join us at michaelcard.com. Welcome back into the studio with Michael Card. And Michael, I can't wait for listeners to hear our next guest. We have a very special guest, Miss Odessa Settles. Mm, 
while strolling along life's highway. Well, there rose a mighty storm, and I heard a voice from heaven say, you're standing out there alone. And I thought about King Jesus, and I folded up my arms. And I started out for heaven, oh, and I stepped in the safety zone. Well, I'm standing in the safety zone, sometimes I'm all alone. When all of my friends see me, and they leave me to weep and woe. Well, I'm sitting in the safety zone Sometimes I'm all alone And if you want to get to heaven You better stay in the safety zone Well, how well do I remember When first I met the Lord Well, he filled my heart with sadness, joy. Wrote my name up above. And I thought about that kingdom. That someday will be my home. And I started out for heaven. And I've stepped in the safety zone. Well, I'm standing in the safety zone. Sometimes I'm all alone When all of my friends see me And it calls me to weep and moan Well, I'm standing out there in the safety zone Sometimes I'm all alone Well, if you want to get to heaven Oh, You better stand in the same zone. Standing in the safety zone, Odessa Settles, welcome into the studio. It's great to see you today. Good to see you too, Wayne. First you. visit here. This is my first visit here. It's so beautiful up here on this hill. <laughs> it's raining. It's now fall. Thank goodness. Yeah, there we, you go. We've needed this rain yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome. Uh, Thank you, Mike. And we need to say that uh, on piano, our, our good brother, Jeff Taylor, was uh, was helping out there. Hi, Mike. Not Wayne. Too, Great not, to be here. Not too shabby there. It only no. seems right, so you're sitting there at the keyboard, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Help us get to know Odessa. Who is Odessa Settles? Oh, my goodness. That's a question for the ages. That's loaded. (laughs) That's a very loaded question. Well, for one thing... I think we um, saw... uh, We we had a window in her soul a moment ago, didn't we? (laughs) I am my father's daughter. That is one thing. Um, I was born and raised here in Nashville in a music family. I had uh, seven brothers. Uh, My father was a musician, so we grew up here in uh, the gospel music uh, in our home, uh, oftentimes a cappella. So there you go. Um, as a um, 
musician today, I perform with a group called the Princely Players. It's a music and drama group that traces the African-American history through a cappella singing and dramatic presentations. Mm. So our current show is On the Road to Glory. We travel from Africa through the civil rights movement. Mm. Uh, so uh, my life has been all about freedom and a journey, mm. you know, to bring people together. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. I'm also a nurse. Um, and uh, I take care of babies who are born uh, premature. Mm. And uh, that's what I do when I'm not singing with uh, people that I love to sing with. I, I, I'm willing to bet that the uh, the singing comes in uh, in terms of taking care of babies that are premature. I've heard that uh, that can be a real soothing uh, way to get their heartbeats this down. Is, this is true. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I work in a clinic, a follow-up clinic, and these, the babies that I see have uh, chronic lung disease. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ways that I connect with the children and their parents, you know, is through a song or, mm. you know, music. So music is very powerful. And, yes, it is calming, and, and babies always love it. Mm. They don't care what you sound like. They just love that connection. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my other nurse doesn't sound like you. <laughs> Could I have yeah. that singing nurse, please? <laughs> so I, I had a great, oh, there was one mother that uh, whose son has graduated from my clinic, and he just started uh, preschool. And when he would come to the clinic, I would always beat. I'm a percussionist also, and uh-huh. I would always beat on the table, and he would beat on the table. And uh, so his mother just sent an email through uh, the social worker there and to let her know that, her son has a set of drums now, and he is playing uh-huh. every day. And she blames you. <laughs> she blames me, but she's, she's happy that he has something, though, so that's interesting. So, yeah, music is definitely very powerful. All it right, you, you grew up with seven brothers. Yes, I did. You got to be a pretty tough cookie. Uh, you, yes. <laughs> I'm right in the middle. And, uh, uh, yeah, and I do have a brother named Wayne, as oh, a matter do you? of fact. Uh-huh. Yeah. But we all sing. Uh, as a family, uh, I have a um, recording group uh, called Settles Connection, and that consists of two of my brothers, Kevin and, and uh, Wayne, actually, and their wives, Shirley and Sarah, and then our bass singers, Todd Settles. So we record a lot. We've been recording on, on uh, many uh, uh, different artists' uh, projects. Family so means a lot to uh, you. Yeah, family means a lot. So, mm. mm-hmm. well, uh, you're here. Um, Jeff is here. Mm-hmm. You, you've uh, you've brought your uh, your instrument. What is your instrument there? I have a, a baritone ukulele. I'm I'm not the best player in the world, but I love to. I love the ukulele. Uh, number one, it was an easy instrument to pick up with four strings, and I said, "Oh, okay, I can do this. I can do this." <laughs> and it helps me a lot too when I'm writing writing my songs and and when I'm trying to accompany myself at home, and also when I'm trying to show show people like Jeff. Yeah. What I want to do. Very (laughs) helpful. What I do. But I I really love the uh, baritone ukulele. I have a collection, maybe about 15 of them now. Oh, wow. Uh, There's a gentleman named uh, J.P. Russian who actually uh, made two for me. One is probably one of the largest ones that you probably have ever seen. I didn't bring that today, but today I brought kind of a mid-size 
I thought therapy. Michael had introduced us to just about every stringed instrument on earth. <laughs> this is but... the first ukulele we've had in here. And oh, that, my goodness. We've had everything else you can shake a stick at, <laughs> but we've right. not had a ukulele. So. <laughs> and my I goodness. bet Mike will be playing it in a matter of days. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's fun. It's a fun instrument. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go back to that other song, the song you opened with, Standing mm-hmm. in the Safety Zone. Mm-hmm. Did you write that? No, I did not. That's actually an old uh, traditional spiritual, uh, kind of uh, in the uh, Jubilee style. Uh, this is a song that my father's. My father was a member of a group, uh, the Fairfield Four. Oh, of course. Actually, so this is one of their songs, and I kind of sing this song in tribute to my my dad. My dad uh, was with the group maybe starting in 1991, I believe, until his demise in '99, and and so this is one of the songs that I pulled out and decided to just kind of sing in honor of him. It yeah. makes me think about him all the time. But now you've got that ukulele there. What, what's ne- <laughs> what's next for us? What's in store for us here? I'm going to sing another uh, traditional uh, song, spiritual. Actually, I guess you figured out that the spiritual is one of the one of my strong points. I think is the the uh, the songs that we try to ser- preserve. You know, it's a song from an oppressed people because it was brought over by the slaves mm-hmm. to this country. So uh, this song that I'm going to sing next is called Sinner Man. It's kind of a uh, uh, Modern day spiritual, as at least this particular style that I'm going to do, but it's called Sinner Man. Where are you going to run to? All right. Odessa settles in the studio with Michael Card. Sinner Man. <laughs> Where you gonna run to, sinner man? Where you gonna run to, sinner man? Where you gonna run to? Hollowed on them day. Well, I run to the rocks. Please hide me. I run to the rocks. Please hide me, I run to the rocks. Please hide me, Lord, all on them day. And the rocks cry. I can't hide you, and the rocks cried. I can't hide you, the rocks cried. I can't hide you, girl, all on them days. I said, rocks, what's the matter with you, rock? Don't you see I need you, rocks? Oh, Lord, 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 all, all And I ran to the moon, it was a bleeding. I ran to the moon, it was a bleeding. And I ran to the moon, oh Lord, it was a bleeding. Lord, 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 all on the So I ran to the Sea. 
Odessa, you we were talking before about the the your your connection to the to the slave the spiritual music the the music of the slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you? I mean, I I think I have an answer, but I want to hear your answer. Why do you think that African American slaves were able to make that almost immediate connection with the life of Jesus that they made when they heard the gospel? There seemed to be, uh, you know, there, there's a tremendous response and a, and a depth of understanding of the gospel that um, most of those people who were dealing in in, in slaves and mm-hmm. were owning the slaves who claimed to be believers didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Is that does that question make sense? It it, it does make sense. You know, I, I'm not sure what you all talked about. You know, right before I got here, but um, when you when you're talking about an oppressed people. When the slaves were brought to this country, actually religion was used as a control. Mm. It backfired, mm-hmm. you know, because you know that God loves us regardless of even if we have no connection with him at all, right. we, he still loves us. Frederick Douglass uh, quotes the, a story where a, a master was quoting scripture to a slave as he was actually beating them. Beating him. So it right. was, yeah. So it's, it's that, you know, and, and so what happened? You know, we are given the gift of grace, mm. you know. What does grace do? Grace allows us to believe. It teaches us to be able to believe. Grace and mercy. So re- uh, religion for the slaves became, um, it, it, it was that, it was religion and freedom. They mm-hmm. became one and the same, actually. Mm-hmm. So they... The, the thought of having a better place, you know, was, was 
paramount in, in being able to move forward and to deal with the oppressed states that they were dealing with, mm-hmm. I think. You know? Do you think there's a connection that they made, even though with the person of Jesus who, who washed feet and who died as a slave? I mean, that's, that's I, what I'd like to say. I, I, would, I would like to think that, you know, I, I'm going to say a, a statement, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but Africans also worshipped, and they had their way of worshipping, and mm-hmm. they were connected to a deity, mm-hmm. you know. So it was not too far-fetched to be taught about the Western, you know, world and, and the beliefs in uh, Christianity mm-hmm. because that, that base was already there. Mm-hmm. So do I believe that? Yes, I do believe that they felt this connection, mm-hmm. you know, with God and that it was necessary, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, they didn't, and they, you know, they they came up with clever ways to 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 worship and also to let, you know, to uh, communicate with each other mm-hmm. about what was really going on at that particular time through their hidden messages, mm-hmm. using religion and using the spirituals to communicate, mm-hmm. you know, to even talk about the slave masters, you know, like, uh, I got a robe, you got a robe, all God's children got a robe. When I get to heaven, going to get on the robe, put on my robe, and going to shout all over. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, that's a powerful yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. you like, know, I got shoes. Yeah. This is this is basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And you they're know, looking at you the master. Got shoes. They're looking at the master right. as they give that line, right? That's right. Not yeah. everybody's going there. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. <laughs> well, you know, we we had on our show a, a number of times before he went to be with the Lord. Uh, my pastor Denny Denson, mm-hmm. who would talk about the fact that uh, he was the first person I ever heard ever heard uh, called Jesus master when he mm-hmm. prayed. Mm-hmm. And when I said, where did that come from? And he would say, it, that comes from the slave. Yeah, they would call connection. him master to let the master know they weren't. Who's right. really in charge. Right. Yeah. That's just true. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's, that's just fascinated me ever since is that connection with Jesus uh, th- that was so, seemed to be anyway, so immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was some preparation. Uh, there was a groundwork that you're saying that was laid from African religion right. before they got here. That's right. Mm-hmm. Odessa, when you sing a spiritual then like that, is that a connection to the, the past, to the Lord, to heritage? What is it for it's you? It's all of that. It's all of that, you know. Um, fortunately, like I said, we grew up in this um, this household where music was just such an important role. Music is so important in society, period, and everything that we do. You know, because number one, it's a way to communicate the human condition, all human condition, you know. So so it's all of that, Wayne. It's mm-hmm. it's a connection, yeah. It has been so meaningful to have you in the studio here with Thank us today. Thank you so and, much. And I know Michael, who has written the book, uh, A Better Freedom. Is that the title of the book, by the way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll be coming out soon. That's um, why I'm asking you all. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you let I'm, me know. I'm picking your brain to yeah. get more ideas for yeah. the book. <laughs> and Jeff Taylor, thank you for coming to accompany you're very Odessa welcome. here. I but want to be anywhere else. But we're going to give you a break because I understand, Odessa, you're going to do something a cappella for us? Yes, I am. I'm just going to bring a little bit of Africa to America. And it's uh, actually a piece that uh, it's a Yoruba chant, uh, a Yoruba uh, melody from Africa, South Africa. And uh, John Williams had used this melody in his movie Amistad. And this is about Africans who was trying to travel, get back to their home. And then Quincy Jones used it in Roots, the same melody. Mm. And these were Africans who had been brought 
to America and talking about their plight. So I want to just do a little bit of that. All right. Again, out. Odessa Settles here in the studio with us. Odessa, thanks for being here. Thank you very much Let's for listen. having me. Weeping willow tree Tell me what you know A raven where you crying So many rains ago Sacred baobab tree, you lost your children to the sea, taken from their land, many rains ago. Oh, From many rains ago, it shall be From many rains ago. Thank you. What a moving time with Odessa Settles. But I'm sorry to say that we've reached the conclusion of this week's session here in the studio with Michael Card. Your comments, Bible questions, and even your song requests are always welcome when you email us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. We hope to hear from you. Your notes are a great source of encouragement to Michael and all of us on the team. Again, the address is inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And I want to remind you that you can expand the scope of this teaching today with Scott Rowley's book titled God's Neighborhood. We've learned so much from Scott. The book goes much deeper into the story of the work of reconciliation in Franklin, Tennessee you want to read his perspectives and stretch your thinking. This program is part of the RBC family of ministries, best known by millions around the world for the daily devotional, Our Daily Bread. Learn more how you can access this practical and encouraging resource through the link to rbc at michaelcard.com. 
I'm Wayne Shepherd for producer Joe Carlson. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is produced in cooperation with RBC Ministries and Moody Radio.